Have you ever had the experience of not applying for a job because you don't feel you meet every requirement listed? Are you addicted to taking classes and getting validation for your intelligence, experience, and competence? Are you the smart one in the group? Are you typically the person who excels and is the best? If you answered yes to any one of these questions, you might be experiencing one or both of these two types of imposter syndrome, the expert and or the natural genius. But don't worry, you're not alone. Over 70% of professionals experience imposter syndrome at least once in their careers. Hi, it's Laverne McKinnon. I'm a career coach and certified grief recovery specialist, and I am so happy to welcome you to the Moonshot Mentor Blogcast. I share stories, insights, and tools to help you overcome career setbacks. This week's blogcast is the third in a series of five about imposter syndrome. I've already talked about the perfectionist, Yep, that's me, the soloist, and the superhuman. Take a listen to learn about two more. Please don't judge me for what I'm about to say about my client, Chris. That's not their real name, but what I'm calling them to protect their identity because I value confidentiality. At the same time, Chris has given me permission to share their story and knows that they are making me crazy. They are making themselves crazy too. Spoiler alert, we laugh about it now. Okay, so Chris is a great client ambitious, driven, ready and willing to do the work. They came to me because they wanted leadership coaching since they had recently been promoted and wanted to make sure they could nail their new responsibilities as a manager of a team of three. Chris had a clear vision for having a small and effective department that not only worked well together, but also hit their key performance indicators out of the ballpark. And then out of the blue, Chris was laid off in a massive, unexpected restructuring of the company. They were barely out of the gate with a new gig and were completely blindsided. We took some time to grieve the loss, and Chris truly saw that their unemployment was not a reflection of their work. Over a third of the company had been let go, so it was clear it was an economic decision, and it also really, really sucked. Chris had started out as an assistant in the company and rose steadily through the ranks to become a vice president at the time of the downsizing. We spent time updating their resume and getting clear on their life purpose and what was important with the next role. Armed and ready, Chris became paralyzed. And this is what made us both nuts. They would find these great opportunities that perfectly aligned with their talents and experience, and then they wouldn't apply. They would go around and around in circles, analyzing every single job requirement, and unless they could confidently check off every single box, they refused to submit. Chris was suffering from a form of imposter syndrome called being the expert. And I don't say suffer lightly. Chris was in a lot of emotional turmoil over feeling like they were not enough. They considered going back to school to get an MBA or an MFA or maybe even a scrum certification. Dr. Valerie Young from the Imposter Syndrome Institute describes the expert as someone who measures their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. Believing they will never know enough, they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. In part one of this five-part series, I wrote about how people who experience imposter syndrome typically respond in one of three ways, procrastination, over-preparation, or precrastination. Chris's desire to go back to school was a form of procrastination, even though they value education and professional development. We were able to figure out the distinction between listening to a gremlin voice and honoring a value by taking time to look at why Chris was studying for the GREs and researching graduate programs. When they were honest with themselves, it was because they felt incompetent and not ready to enter the job market. 
Before I share what ultimately happened with Chris, I want to highlight another form of imposter syndrome, the natural genius. Dr. Young defines this form as someone who cares about how and when accomplishments happen. Chris discovered that part of why they had excelled in their career was because they were the first to have typed up notes on projects that they were working on. And while there was a value of professionalism being honored, they realized that it was primarily imposter syndrome at play. When Chris was not able to master a skill quickly and easily, like analyzing production budgets and schedules, they became frustrated and demoralized. There was no room for a learning curve, and asking for help or mentorship felt like a sign of failure, which is a signature response of the soloist form of imposterism. The natural genius has to get it right the first time. Chris had a history of doing really well without a lot of effort because they only tried things that they knew they would be good at. So looking for a job and starting a new role were big imposterism triggers. What we worked on to arm Chris for this battle was expanding their identity. So for example, I am experienced and I need more experiential knowledge. I am competent and there are things I can improve upon. I am intelligent and I still have things to learn. So I spoke about this tool in part two of the series as well. The bottom line is, The key to battling imposter syndrome is to embrace humility. Recognizing and accepting one's strengths and limitations takes great, great, great effort. However, in doing so, it creates pathways to be able to move forward by embracing the hard truth that obstacles and challenges are a natural part of life. Okay, so back to Chris. They were able to use their values of learning and professional development to embrace the concept of humility in a new and powerful way. Here's the thing. Chris had actually conflated humility with false modesty. So through a heartfelt understanding and acceptance that they were not a failure or destined to be a failure because they needed more knowledge, could still improve and learn, Chris applied for jobs. It was not an easy process. And for the first time, Chris experienced being ghosted in their job search, getting really, really close and then not being offered the role and being told that they were both overqualified and underqualified. Through persistence, discernment, and resiliency, Chris found the right match. They've been in the new role for about six months, and they're still in the honeymoon period. As a review, imposter syndrome affects people of all ages and levels of success and backgrounds. It's a feeling of being inadequate, and there's a fear of being found out. People who experience imposter syndrome hold themselves to an impossible standard and credit their success to luck or factors outside their own competence. The five types of imposter syndrome identified by Dr. Young are perfectionist, soloist, superhuman, expert, and natural genius. Next week, we're going to take a deeper look into the tools to combat imposter syndrome. But for now, I'm so curious, which ones resonate for you and how do they show up in your life? I'd love to hear your thoughts so please drop me a comment. You can also visit me at moonshotmentor.com or follow me on social media at Moonshot Mentor on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, I would so appreciate if you could subscribe to my blogcast. It's going to help me achieve my moonshot of 5,000 subscribers. Thank you so much for tuning in.